looking back now, that was the start of the change of my life. So I've like moved down to Wanaka and I hike all the time and I camp all the time and I go driving alone all the time. But that was like the start of it. And now looking back, it feels like it was should have been easy, but it was such a different lifestyle to my nine to five corporate life I had up in Wellington. This is Aotearoa Adventures with your host, Abigail Hanna, the podcast for everything you need to know to travel New Zealand. I talk to photographers, van lifers, moms, students, and everyday Kiwis to hear their inspiring stories from past adventures and to share helpful tips and tricks for your travels. Whether you're visiting Aotearoa for the first time and live on the road, or you work a nine to five and have lived in New Zealand your whole life, you're guaranteed to learn something to plan your next getaway and get a new excitement to explore more of this beautiful country I call home. So grab your hiking boots, hop in the car, and turn up the volume. If you've ever cooked a meal from scratch in the bush, you'd know how challenging it is. Backcountry Cuisine have solved this problem with freeze-dried meals that are lightweight, delicious, nutritious, and so easy to prepare. With breakfast, lunch, dinner, and dessert options, as well as vegetarian, vegan-friendly, and gluten-free meals, they have something for every adventurer. Backcountry Cuisine are my go-to for yummy meals on the trail, and I also keep a stash in the van, just in case. For quick and easy meals for all your outdoor adventures, use the code ABIGAIL for free shipping off your next order. That's A-B-I-G-A-I-L for free shipping off your next Backcountry Cuisine delivery. Head to the link in the description to find out more. Kia ora, welcome to the podcast, Morgan. I am so excited to hear from you because you are a listener um, and you sent me a DM and you said, hey, I want to be on the show. And these are these are my favorite kinds of guests. So I'm really looking forward to hearing your story. Um, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, thank you for having me. I heard you sort of shout out wanting guests and I thought I must come on and tell my story because it's funny and it's just like a typical person. Like, there's nothing that special about me, but it, there is like a story to tell, which I love. So I am Morgan. I grew up here in Wellington, New Zealand, and I currently reside in Wanaka with my dog and my boyfriend. I love that. Tell me a little bit more about your childhood in Wellington. Had you lived there your whole life and did you travel much as a family or what did that sort of look like? Yeah, so I grew up outside of Wellington in Upper Heart. I've had a whole episode on Upper Heart. It was one of my favorites. I love Upper Heart. (laughs) That's so good. Um, Yeah, I grew up there with four siblings. We didn't do much travel when I was younger. My dad and mum separated when I was about 12, and he did move up to Rotorua. So the travel we did was just to go stay with him, but not really any sort of big travel. I never left the country, kind of just stayed in Upper Heart. (laughs) So you did this one month road trip in 2019. And before that, you'd never driven alone in a new area. You'd never car camped alone. How did this sort of come out? How did you decide that you were going to go on this trip? Yeah, so I love watching YouTube videos of van life people and people that were just traveling everywhere. But I always assumed you had to have a van. And so that was like setting me back. And I just always was like, I want to travel, but I don't have the right equipment essentially is what I thought until one day I saw a YouTuber who camped out of her wagon in America and she traveled all the states in America just out of her wagon and I was like you you can do that and at the time I had a Nissan Wing Road so I had like a very similar car to her and I was like oh my gosh I don't need a van so that night I booked a ferry ticket for a couple of months that later night. yeah that night I was like watched all her videos and then was like I need to do this I can do this so I booked boat 
trips from Wellington to Picton that night and just sort of freaked out after that for the next two months trying to plan how I was actually going to make this work. <laughs> One of my questions was going to be, are you a spontaneous person? Did you sort of wing it or did you plan it? So <laughs> I'm hearing a bit of both here. <laughs> yeah, so it was a spontaneous idea and then after I booked it I kind of had like a freak out moment and then I done as much research as I could to find like freedom camping spots to find good walks that allowed the dog and then done research into what I could use for food for refrigeration for food things like that and kind of planned it but then it didn't really go to plan so I don't know if I'm actually good at planning things maybe I should stick to being spontaneous oh I love that I think, I don't know, I'm a little bit of a planner, but I like to leave lots of space in my plans for spontaneous things. That's kind of how I go about it. Like our first road trip in the South Island, I was like, these are the places we're going. This is the direction we're going, but yeah, don't know how long it's all going to (laughs) take. Yeah, I think that's the better way to do it because then if you don't find anything, at least you have a generalized plan. Mm. Which is what I kind of went with, but so it was my first time ever sort of driving alone or car camping alone or even being in the South Island. It was a first for everything. And on my first day, we were driving from Picton to Nelson and there was a freedom camping spot along the way in the middle of nowhere. And I was like, we can hang out here. This will be great. I hadn't used my cooker before then. I'm not sure why I thought I'd leave it to the first night of my trip. (laughs) I ended up crying in my car because it was cold and my cooker didn't work. So I had to eat uncooked rice for my first meal of the trip. Oh man, I don't think I've ever eaten uncooked rice and I don't think I ever want to. (laughs) It wasn't good and it was just like, like, wow, I really didn't think this all the way through moment. And then I thought, that's fine, Like we'll move on from there. The second day I was doing a hike, and as I left the hike's car park, it was onto a motorway, so I reversed really fast to get like back onto the motorway to get going. Didn't see that there was like a median barrier, and got my car stuck on a median barrier, also in the middle of nowhere with no reception. Oh, no. Which is a great second day, a great story. I had to go down to like... I walked for a while and found someone that took me to the nearest town where a man was shutting up his shop. It was like a petrol station and like a garage in the same sort of thing. And he was just shutting up and I was like, can you please tow me off this? I don't know how to. I don't know how I've got stuck here. And yeah, (laughs) quite the rigmarole. We had to go back to where my car was, hitch it up and try and tow it off this little median strip in the middle of nowhere. Like The sun was going down. It was getting dark and cold and... (laughs) just chaos what time of year was your trip may so i done it from like first of may to the end of may so it would have been quite cold as well and it would have been getting dark pretty early yes (laughs) which another thing where i didn't really plan it but i needed to get it done not in the peak of summer because i didn't want my dog in like a hot car while we were driving yeah i definitely didn't want to do winter and i was like may seems like a good time of year (laughs) Not realising South Island has a different temperature to Wellington's May. Yeah, for sure. So did you manage to get off that traffic island? We did. He said that there might be damage to my car, but thankfully the underside was perfect. It was my one good luck of the day. Amazing. Yeah, so I got him a box of beers to thank him, the true Kiwi way. (laughs) Yeah. 
and yeah, from then we didn't have too many muck-ups, which was nice. So we went through the top of the South Island and down through the West Coast. Mm-hmm. But it was during when the storms washed out all the bridges from around Franz Joseph. Right. Yeah. So I was meant to go down the West Coast through into central Otago and then back around and up East Coast. But I had to cut across through Hamner just because there was no Crazy. way down. Yeah. So it kind of changed how I had planned to do the trip. But it was awesome. I loved the drive through um, Arthur's Pass. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. I've done Arthur's Pass and Hast Pass, but I haven't done Lewis. And I'm told that I'm missing out. So that's one of the other ones that's that's on my bucket list. I haven't done Lewis either, but I've not heard anyone talk about Lewis that much. Oh. Is it good? I've heard good things. I've oh, heard that okay. it's, it's, it's one of the ones you got to do. <laughs> Perfect. I'll add it to my list. <laughs> so... How did that sort of work? If Like, did you go down the East Coast towards Central Otago or what did the rest of your route look like? Yeah, so through Arthur's Pass, I then camped outside of Christchurch for a bit and then went headed down to Cromwell. So I was going to stay with my friends in Cromwell for about a week. So I managed to make it down to Cromwell and then I hung around Cromwell, Queenstown and Wanaka for a good week or so. And then I just re-headed up the... East Coast. So back through Christchurch, Kaikoura, Picton, and home. Awesome. Yeah. That's really cool to hear. You mentioned you had your dog with you. Tell us a little bit about him or her. Him, I would love to. So he is a Staffy crossed with a Dash Hound. Oh. Which is a strange mix. Yeah. <laughs> he just looks like a miniature Staffy. He's so cute. He's the best dog. He's so, he's like the perfect adventure size because he's under the knee like height, Mm. but he can go all day. He would love to hike for all the time. He's great at car camping, which was a surprise because also his first time car camping was this trip. (laughs) And I wasn't sure if he would settle at night or if he'd be like, why aren't we driving anymore? But instantly just fell asleep in the bed and was good for the rest of the trip. Oh, that's amazing. He probably had no idea what was coming when you (laughs) packed him onto that ferry at Wellington. Yeah, and now he's had to put up with so many camping adventures and hikes and he's just taken it all in a stride. Oh, I love that. He just had his birthday. He's now nine. Wow. Yeah, an oh, old man. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's really cool to hear. So you mentioned some of the mishaps you had and how you dealt with them. Was there anything else that you found really challenging on this big adventure by yourself? And how did you sort of manage those those things as they went wrong? Yeah, so it was quite strange to do something like this alone as someone that had never really done anything like it. But within the bad points, so there was all these sort of like real low points. So at a car camping spot outside of Ahuriri, I got caught, locked down my car at 5am in the rain. Oh no. (laughs) And had to wait for AA. And just during those sad parts, you just think about all the good things that had happened. Like I'd met another person at a freedom camping site and we'd gone on a hike together that he'd said, hey, I've got this cool hike we could do. And so we went off on a hike and like all the cool people and experiences sort of made up for those really low lows. Yes. That's really good that you sort of had, yeah, heaps of highs to sort of look back on in those moments. Do you want to share what some of those were? Yeah. So during the time I was a, I had a dog Instagram account for Diego. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. 
Um, the people I stayed with in Cromwell were from dog Instagram. I only knew them because they posted photos of their dog. I posted photos of my dog and they were kind enough to let me come stay with them. And now I consider them some of my best friends down here. Yeah. It's amazing how we can connect with people over the internet, isn't it? Exactly. And it was like meeting some of the coolest people I know down here I met through dog Instagram and them just posting their dog adventures and me posting mine made us like realize that we had so much in common. And having that sort of community during this trip was amazing. And being able to share it, like I also shared it with my community on Instagram and having all these people rally behind me for all my ups and downs was so inspiring and exciting and made me want to keep doing more of my trip and making it cooler and cooler so that other people can feel like they want to do it as well. I think it's important to have that sort of encouragement and those people backing you, especially when you're doing something that's probably completely out of your comfort zone, something that's quite new. It's awesome to know that there's people that have your back. Yeah, exactly. And now I feel like looking back now, that was the start of the change of my life. So I've like moved down to Wanaka and I hike all the time and I camp all the time and I go driving alone all the time. But that was like the start of it. And now looking back, it feels like it was should have been easy, but it was such a different lifestyle to my nine to five corporate life I had up in Wellington. Tell me a bit about that. And how did you manage to get, I guess, a month off to do this trip? Yeah, so I worked at the time for Shopify, which is an e-commerce company based out of Canada. And I worked from them, but it's a remote job. So you'd work from home. But I met so many cool people in Canada that were traveling around in their vans. Or there was one lady that had a motorbike and she would just travel around Canada on her motorbike and work through local like parks. Wow. And so they kind of also inspired me. But it was, I just saved up my leave for the year and I was like, I'm taking four weeks off. Like, I'm sorry, but I've got to go. <laughs> I've already booked the boats. So I done that. And then from there, because I had a remote job, all my other trips that I'd done since then were based out of Airbnb so I could work while traveling. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that really helped is that I had sort of a supportive job that allowed me to then sort of move wherever or travel wherever at the same time as working. But that first four weeks was, yeah, just leave. I was, I told them maybe I'll work and then I just never actually got an Airbnb. I only lived out of <laughs> the car and I was like, this is not possible. I cannot do this. Are you still at that same job now? And do you still have that flexibility around adventures? No. So I was made redundant July last year. Okay. In one of Shopify's. So that tough? Yeah. So they had their first massive layoffs. They laid off about 1,200 people at the same time. Wow. In July wow. last year. Out of nowhere as well. I wasn't expecting it. I worked in their fraud management department. So I kind of felt like my job would be safe if there was any layoffs, but no, <laughs> turns out there wasn't. It was not safe. But it was quite a good learning curve because I felt like I had done Shopify for four years and I was very comfortable in the job and I absolutely loved it. Like they asked if I wanted to come back, I'd go back. Like I love Shopify. Yeah, yeah. It's good to sort of leave a job with a... Um like still liking it you know yeah exactly and I feel like it gave me that push and like without that job maybe I wouldn't have been able to move down here or travel as much mm. so I am thankful for it but it has given me sort of that push to go more into my own 
self-employment space as well as this winter I'm working down at Cadrona. Awesome. Yeah, so it's I finally get to do my winter ski bum season, which everyone down here says is a rite of passage. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm actually super excited to be working in person and working for like a tourism-based company. Yeah, that must be quite a change to sort of working online and being behind a screen all day. Yeah, the first like week or so, I was like, this is what it's like to work with people. Like, I love this. <laughs> Co-workers, what? <laughs> yeah. Having to actually like get out of bed to go to work is so good for the mental health as well. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. That's a positive change. It's really interesting the way that I guess working from home just became such a norm over COVID especially. And I started my corporate job during COVID, so we were all working from home and I found it really hard going into the office after that. And they wanted us to be in the office sort of four days a week because none of us really knew each other or anything. So they wanted us to just have that face-to-face time and time with the leads and sort of develop our skills and stuff. Anyway, finally worked up to those sort of four days a week and got used to that. And then we had the Auckland floods at the start of this year. My office was flooded. We were back working from home. And for some reason, I found that really challenging when last year I was like, oh, I could do like two or three or like, I I wish I could just work from home all the time. And then suddenly I could work from home all the time. And I was like, yeah, I'm not loving this. (laughs) Yeah, I think the working from home is such a good novelty Mm. at the start. Mm. And then once you've done it for a bit, it's quite draining. And then you go back to like a regular office and you realize how sort of fulfilling it is to actually be next to your colleagues and actually work with them closely rather than just through Zoom. Yeah and I think like when you're at home as well unless you have I want to say almost like a military routine like things just slide you know like you're in your pajamas all day you're eating like instant noodles for lunch like you're not getting wars and suddenly it's three days and you're like have I I left the house? Anyway (laughs) this is just myself I don't know if anyone else has this experience. I think most people do. I definitely ended up staying at home, not leaving a lot. But the funny thing is working in a regular job, regular, like in the office now, Yeah, I don't get as much washing done. Like <laughs> I must have always been doing washing during work hours because now my washing just piles up so quick. Oh. Whereas before I felt like I was always on top of it. And then no, this winter has already started off poorly with my washing schedule so that's so funny you're wearing more clothes than just pajamas every day so exactly yeah <laughs> uh, anyway that was a wee bit of a tangent from the travel themes podcast but um <laughs> how long ago was it that you moved down to Wanaka and when did you sort of make that decision yeah so I guess maybe this is going to point to my spontaneity again spontaneity spontaneity how do you say that? Spon- spontaneity. Spontaneity. <laughs> I think. Spontaneity. I think that's it. Um, yeah. Any- <laughs> <laughs> I think this will show that I am spontaneous. Is that... There we go. Yeah. <laughs> During the 2020 lockdown, I was living with my mum and two younger sisters in Wanganui. And that was great. They didn't work though. And then I had... I was working. So they were just living their best life, having 3 p.m. happy hours while I was there working away. But during that time being locked in a house in Wanganui, it made me realise that I wanted to move to Wanaka. Like I had already been there. I went there at the start of 2020 for six weeks to house sit my friend's house. And I just got back and then that's when sort of the craziness of COVID happened. And so I was locked in Wanganui and I thought, I'm just going to do it. So (laughs) I booked a boat 
for the first day after a level three was announced. So I traveled from Wanganui to Wanaka in level three in one just straight drive. I, which with all my stuff squished into the car. With all your stuff in the car. Your whole life. Yep. Diego with you as well. Yeah, Diego was in a crate, so he had probably the most room out of everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I had boxes, like the whole car was packed to the brim. Yeah. And I'd done the Wanganui drive to Wellington, which is about three hours, and then picked into Wanaka, which is about 10, and then the boat trip, which was three hours. Probably three, yeah. yeah. All in just one long day just to get in, which was great timing for, on my part, though, because the housing crisis in Wanaka is crazy. It's very hard to get a house. But because I went in lockdown, they had plenty of houses and no one to fill them. So I managed to get this very fancy house. It was <laughs> like the fanciest house I've ever been in in my life. I got a six-month lease on that with Diego as well, which incredible. <laughs> great moving down to Wanaka into a, like a triple glaze like new build it was beautiful oh it's awesome but yeah that's how I ended up down there but it was I think I remember telling mum hey I've booked it in five days and she was like what do you mean and I was like oh yeah I've got a house I've booked the boat I'm going and she was so surprised (laughs) but yeah I think that's part of it I just sort of book things and then think about them later I love that I love that attitude so much (laughs) yeah and I haven't looked back like moving to Wanaka has been amazing I love it down here there's so many hikes and camping spots and the people you meet are all into that same sort of outdoorsy scene. Absolutely, yeah. I've got a couple of friends, quite a few, that moved from Auckland down to Wanaka, Queenstown over the last sort of two COVID years. Yeah. <laughs> and it's looking more and more attractive. <laughs> <laughs> you need to do it. You need to. <laughs> when, I suppose you touched on this a little bit, but did you have that sort of inkling before you booked the ticket or was it just like, oh, I'm going? I had thought about it. So after my six weeks in house-sitting my friend's house over summer, I had wanted to move down there, but I thought people are lucky if they live here. And I didn't really like grasp the concept that you can just do it. I was like, you have to be lucky to live in such a cool place. So it had gone through my mind, but not really. And I had also if I was to move would be during summer because I was scared of the cold because I do not like the cold and everyone (laughs) had warned that the South Island cold is bad so I in my head I thought maybe I'll move next summer down here or I'll house it again for the summer but was sort of like back of mind still. I guess that's quite cool to have that sort of house sitting experience because you're living there. Even though it's a short term, you've got a house, you go to the supermarket, you get a feel for that town and what it would be like to live there. I just feel like that's awesome. Like maybe I need to do a few house sitting gigs around the country and be like, where do I want to live next? (laughs) Yeah, I've never thought of it like that, but it is like a sort of a good way to step into pretending to live somewhere. Yeah, exactly. And then you can really do it all across the country to find which place suits you the most. No, that's really cool to hear. Well, let's backtrack a little bit again back to your sort of first road trip in your station wagon. Give me a few sort of tips, I suppose, for freedom camping in a station wagon because I imagine you weren't self-contained, so you might have been limited in where you could have stayed. Tell me a little bit about that. Yes. So it was limiting compared to if you had a van. Yeah. I used the app CamperMate. Yeah. You could select that to show where you were able to camp if you didn't have 
a self-contained option. And so I did, in my initial travel planning, look at where I could roughly go with a car that didn't have self-containment sticker. It does limit your options by a lot. Like It went from like thousands down to hundreds very quick. And but it's still doable, right? Like it's still definitely doable. You just have to sort of plan it more and know where you're going to end up. And there are some great campsites that are for any sort of car tents, things like that. Dock campsites were great. They felt like luxury <laughs> when I got to stay at a couple of dock campsites compared to the self-contained. No, sorry, this freedom camping spots. Mm-hmm. And I think I stayed at maybe one privately owned campsite. And to be fair, I felt more more security in a freedom camping campsite than I did at the paid private owned one. Interesting. And I just think that was because the people I was surrounded by in the freedom camping spots were all doing the same thing. They yeah. were all freedom yeah. campers. They were there to explore and try and do it as cheaply as possible. Whereas the paid campsite just sort of made me feel like very unsafe. Like I had the doors locked at all times. My badly made curtains that I made for my car were like always up because I was just worried someone would realise that I was camping alone. Whereas I never felt that at a freedom camping site. That's super interesting. Yeah. And I don't know why that was. I don't know if it was that particular campsite I stayed at. But that's why I stayed at one and then was like, no, I'll stick to my dock or my (laughs) freedom camping. I'm not going to pay to feel uneasy. Tell me about the setup inside your car as well. What did that sort of look like? Awesome. So I went and made my own curtains. So I went to a secondhand shop, found some cheap curtains and I put Velcro on those and then added Velcro to the top of my car. They didn't last. <laughs> I think the first night the Velcro came oh, off. No. It was awful. So every night was me like trying to stick up these curtains. And then in the back, I had a small like foam mattress Yeah, that I slept on. Now, it was less than my body size. So quite skinny. Quite skinny, and then on the other side was all like my buckets of clothes and my chili bin and all my things. So I had to sort of slip sideways into my um, camping setup. So that's where I was sleeping, was like sort of on the side. And then with Diego, he was at my feet. So I was always sort of like bent up to sleep. And then I had all keeping you warm. Yeah. And I had all my other stuff on the other side. So it was very squishy. I did have a man come up to me when I was camping on the West Coast and was like, You're actually sleeping in that. And I was like, Yeah. He was like, Oh, I thought it was for like a, just for the dog while you were driving. <laughs> that's how small this like bed setup was. Oh, that's quite impressive. On our first road trip to the South Island, actually, and it was in winter as well. And it was a van. We were traveling in a van, but there were two of us and the width of the bed was sort of like probably king single size. Like it was very, very cozy. And we had some friends that poked their head in and were like, yeah, both of you <laughs> on that. And we're like, yeah, it keeps us warm. Like it's winter. <laughs> Needless to say, in our next couple of vans, we've had like a queen size bed and there's plenty of space. But yeah, you learn from those experiences, don't you? This is something we're not going to do again. <laughs> Yeah, I went and bought a bigger car just so that when I travel again, I can at least have like a single bed mm, size yeah, yeah. sliver of a mattress. What were some of the things that you had with you or packed with you that you were really glad you had? 
Oh, good question. Not my camper, uh, my like cooker, that's for sure. I hated <laughs> the cooker. Did you manage to sort it after that first night? No. <laughs> I used it until I went camping with my friends down. We went to Mavora Lakes, just mm-hmm. yeah. um, down further south with my Cromwell friends I met through Dong Instagram. And they had the same cooker as me and it cooked all their food like within five minutes. And I was still <laughs> there for like 40 minutes cooking my meal. So I don't know what went wrong with it, but I used it the whole time. It just took hours to cook anything. And I learned not to do rice, stick to pasta, or just stick to trying not to cook (laughs) anything. But what was good, I bought, you know, your sort of Yamarinos. Yeah. I'd never had thermals before in my life. I had no need for them (laughs) up and up a heart. So those were a lifesaver. I also got Diego like a cute little coat cute. i want to see this i'll send you a photo so that you can share it because it's the cutest little coat and it's a psychedelic like tie-dye coat that he wore because he was freezing all the time and so i bought this coat and it was a hit everyone that saw him loves it so like that was probably my best one because it made everyone talk to us and i've got to share like what we're doing and it was cool like meeting people along the way all because diego was wearing sort of a psychedelic old man dressing gown I love that so much. Yeah, you'll definitely have to send that through. Do you have any sort of, I guess, general tips for people that maybe haven't driven alone or haven't car camped alone or haven't been to the South Island and are listening to this and saying, hey, maybe this is something that I could do? Yeah. I think first off, just do it. Just book it because you have to do it once you've booked it. In my mind, it's like once (laughs) it's booked, you've got to do it. You've got to follow through. The big one is, yeah, do your research. Campermate was a great app to have. There is also that Rankers app. I don't know if you came across that one. Ooh. But it's similar to Campermate. I'm not sure if it has like car camping or if it's just for self-contained. But anyway, that's another one. That'll be good to look at. <laughs> yeah, so get an app that shows you these things because I know you can get ones that show you where petrol stations are, where walks are, where attractions are. Get as many apps as you can because it is going to be a lifesaver when you're out there. I would also say to download videos on like get a Netflix or a YouTube and download so that when you're in the middle of nowhere and it gets dark at five or the <laughs> sand flies attacking you, you could just go hide in your car and just watch something. Because the amount of times that it would get dark at 4.30 and I'd just have to crawl into my car and there's nothing else to do but watch something. That was actually one of my favourite things about our winter roadie is that like the sun would go down at 5, would cook dinner, finish by like 6.37. There's nothing else to do except go to bed. And when does the sun come up? 8 o'clock. And so you sleep for like 12 hours every night and it was just bliss. I've never felt so rested after a holiday as I did after that trip. Yeah, you were allowed to. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and you feel ready to like tackle the day because you've had such a great night's sleep. I think also it's just... You've just got to be confident when you're driving. Like, it is scary, but who just sort of drive? Like, don't worry about who's behind you. If you are getting sort of a train of people behind you, just pull over, let them pass, but don't let it stress you. Because I know on the first day I had that sort of stress. Like, I hadn't driven through those types of roads before and I was worried about it, but I was like, just take my time. There's no point in rushing. Like, you will get there and whatever the people behind you, they don't matter, just let them pass if you need to but don't worry about them which is a big thing I know stresses people out is having the other 
more competent drivers sort of wedged right up here trying to force you to go faster and it's just like don't worry about them mm. no that's actually really really good advice and I'm not sure if anyone's sort of shared that on the podcast before but like with the road the death tolls and the serious injuries that we have on New Zealand's roads like that's so key just to drive to your own abilities and be comfortable yeah we also have to pull over quite often in our van just because on the uphills it does not go very fast and (laughs) we do get trains of people behind me and I'm like for your safety and ours I am gonna pull over and let you pass because I don't want you getting angry (laughs) yeah and I think that's a good thing to note is that it is if you are slower or you aren't as competent do pull over as much as possible to let people pass because that does in the long run, save them and you from any sort of serious injury if they are trying to overtake you during your drives. But only pulling over if there's a safe place to do so. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, no getting run off the road, please. No. <laughs> no, not only safe, please. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's all really good advice. Is there anything else? I think just stick trying to think of the positives. Obviously, things are going to go wrong. I am a key estimate to that. Half of my trips always go wrong. I think after that road trip, I don't think I went on a successful camping trip for like four times after that. Always something bad went wrong. So you've just got to sort of look at the positives of the trip and not focus on what could go wrong or what is going wrong and just think of like the good parts of it. Mm. So even when I was eating my old rice that was uncooked... I was like, at least I'm here. But I was crying. I've got to admit, I rang my mum and I was like, why did I do this? <laughs> but then the next day I was like, okay, cool. I've got to wake up by this beautiful river. And there was the most gorgeous sunrise. And like just remembering the good points of while you're traveling is going to help mm. in the long run a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when you are traveling in New Zealand, I feel like for the majority of the time, the good will outweigh the bad because oh, it's just such a beautiful country. Yeah, I love that so much. Do you want to briefly tell me about some of the adventures that you've been on with Diego and maybe some tips for people that want to travel with their dog and go tramping? What does that sort of look like? Yeah, I'd love to. So we have done quite a few adventures now. What my biggest thing is sort of warming up into being able to hike. You want to start slow. Don't sort of throw them into an eight-hour hike if they've not done one before. They're sort of like humans. Like if you need to train for something, they probably need to train too. So it was warming up into doing hikes is like a big one of mine. Yeah, that makes total sense. My favorite piece of equipment I've ever bought for Diego is a light-up collar. So then if we ever get caught in the dark on a walk or like early morning walks, late evening walks, hikes that go on for too long, camping trips, things like that. I just chuck his light up collar on and you can see him anywhere. And it's like the most brilliant thing I've ever got because he's a small, dark dog. He's so hard to see at night or, or in the bush or anything like that. So I've just got a light up collar. It's rechargeable and it's so key to being able to do hikes with him. Yeah, no, that's really awesome. Yeah. So we've been recently, wonder what we've done recently. We love the snow farm here. So you can go through the snow farm into Pisa conservation area, which you can then camp anywhere. So we've gone through there, set up a tent, gone camping over in Pisa, which is amazing. It's like, feels like you're in Star Wars, like you're out of this world over in snow farm during the summer because it's just rolling hills of like dirt and massive boulders. And it's just amazing over there. So it, No matter if you come in the summer or the winter, I highly recommend Snow Farm. Allows dogs both seasons and it's like such a cool adventure over there. 
Yeah, that's awesome. So we've done that, which is cool recently. Yeah, so yeah, the biggest tips is just sort of going to your dog's level. If your dog doesn't have a 100% recall, is making sure you do keep them on a long line or a leash because there's a lot of things that can go wrong when traveling with a dog. Yeah. Especially out in hiking areas. Diego has no one to chase a goat or two at his time. Yeah. Which taught me that his recall needed work. That's awesome to hear. I've had a couple of episodes where people have traveled with their pets and shared about it as well. And I'm pretty sure Snow Farm was also mentioned. So that's really cool that, that you sort of talk about that as well. Yeah, it is a great one down here, especially if your dog's never seen snow because you can drive up and then the snows are right there. So you don't even have to do a big hike if you don't want to. It's easily accessible snow and they rent out snowshoes. So if you want to snowshoe around, it is so much fun. I love it up there. Oh, that sounds awesome. What's coming up next for you, Morgan? Next for me. So I'm going to be doing the winter season here at Kadrona, which I'm excited about got my season pass so I'll probably just spend the winter snowboarding I love that and I ask skis or snowboard yeah <laughs> definitely a snowboarder here although I only learned in 2020 when I moved down here so I can't even I'm not even that good <laughs> I just sort of slowly get down the mountain but this is my year I think I'll get better this year yeah well with a season's pass like you've you've got to yeah you'll just be up there every day <laughs> that's the plan <laughs> Um, so I think most of the winter, I don't think I'll be doing anything too exciting. I just got back from Hooker Hut last week, which was lovely. If you haven't done that one yet, that one's great. I haven't actually, but it's on my list. (laughs) It's such a nice little hut and the fire is so warm. So no matter how cold it is, it was such a hot, like little hut. It was great. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing about your first road trip. I love how that sort of really just kicked off all your adventures and it went from zero to a hundred it sounds like I also just love hearing your positive attitude towards all the things that went wrong and choosing to see the glass half full (laughs) that's that's really awesome I think I'm gonna have to remember some of those key takeaways when I'm having a bad time on the road (laughs) where can people find you on socials where can they follow along with your adventures and connect with you yeah, so on Instagram and TikTok, I am girl and sometimes a dog. Nice and easy. Awesome. I'll make sure that that's linked in the description. And for anybody listening, be a Morgan and send me a DM and tell me about your epic adventures. And I can't wait to have you on the show next time. <laughs> Definitely do it. Thank you so much, Morgan. This has been really fun. Thank you. It's awesome to hear where people's stories start, and I hope you loved hearing from Morgan about her first South Island road trip in the back of her station wagon. You never know what doors will open when you take that first step, and in Morgan's case, to spontaneously book tickets without having annual leave. Who knows what starting will do for you? Maybe you'll end up in Wanaka or somewhere else you wouldn't have dreamed of. If you've got a pet and want to know more about travelling with pets, head to episode 20 with Courtney Mello, all about her South Island roadie with two beautiful Bernese Mountain Dogs. Or head to episode 12 with Tegan, who travels with both her cat and her dog. Thank you so much for tuning in and coming along for the ride. If you love the show and enjoyed listening, please take the time to leave a review on Apple or Spotify. I would also love to connect with you, so send me a DM on Instagram or leave me a voice message. And I can't wait to see you next time. Until then, keep adventuring.